It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. It's 38 all. Bills can win it here. Wright puts it down. The kick is on the way, and it is good. And the Bills have won it. The Bills have won it. The Bills have won it. They win it 41 to 48. Incredible. What a comeback by the Bills. Jacksonville's perfect record on the line right here. Folks, what's good? Family, friends, loved ones, enemies, frenemies, wizards, witches, muggles, mudbloods, people, Middle Earth to another episode of Disguise Coverage, the only podcast in existence that gives you an equal amount of blueberries in each muffin and sponsored by the best pizza in Buffalo, New York. Hands down, One Pie Pizza. Find the online menu in the episode show notes, whether here on YouTube or any one of the podcasting apps or platforms. I'm your host of this show, Anthony Prohaska. Find me on Twitter at pro underscore underscore ant. That's pro two underscores A-N-T. Find me on the TikTok under the exact same handle, pro two underscores A-N-T. In tonight's episode, on the back end of this episode, diving into and detailing the potential game of the year in the NFL between the Buffalo Bills and the Cincinnati Bengals. In the back end, we are going to dive into some Bengals game tape and some Bills game tape to really highlight several of the game-specific matchups that will decide this game. Players, um, sides of the ball, positions, position groupings, X's and O's, scheme, structure, all of those pieces that you have grown accustomed to here on this show. Or if it's your first time tuning into this show, you will grow accustomed to it. But on the front end, of this show, we're going to dive into some conversation regarding several of the game deciding and most important matchups for Bills versus Bengals. And like the comment says here from Jason, Jason comes in and says, Bruce and Ant with an exclamation point. What a beautiful combo exclamation point. And that's because I'm joined tonight by Mr. Bruce Nolan of the Bruce exclusive of Buffalo rumblings of food for thought of Probably a lot of other things. Bruce, I appreciate you taking the time. I was lucky that you and I were able to link up somewhat last minute. I appreciate you, and I always enjoy having you here. So welcome to the show, and thank you very much. 
No, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I know it was kind of a, a last minute deal. And I have a bone to pick with you before we get started. The questions that you sent me required mm-hmm. me to actually work. And I don't know who I need to take this up with. Um, is the HR a cover one I can talk to? Or do I just go yeah. directly to Eric? I don't know how this works. but um, you can, you can, I'm the HR, so you can just email me and I'll take it cool, up. Cool. With You'll take it up sure. with yourself and right. make sure that yourself is feasibly punished. Yeah, I'll reprimand myself. Because Mm-hmm. You know, I, I really, I really, I really need you to hear that. I really need you to to get through to yourself because I got these and I was like, I need like 35 minutes to go through this stuff. Like I got to go through, I went back to a couple Bengals games, took some quick notes. Like I'm looking, I'm watching Hakeem Adeniji. Like I'm sitting nice. here watching him and I'm going back to like, college film <laughs> like what am i doing here like you really went down the rabbit hole like look what you made me do it's a taylor swift it. moment oh oh nice taylor swift reference well done hashtag Ticketmaster. i appreciate I you going work. down the rabbit hole i'm sorry i'm sorry yeah. but that's also but that's also part of the reason why i would reach out to someone of your caliber or of your ilk because i knew you wouldn't just half-ass it you wouldn't just sloppily put some things together you would do you know the requisite work that is required of you know, really getting into the nitty gritty of a matchup of this magnitude for the Buffalo Bills, for the Cincinnati Bengals, like I mentioned, potential game of the year. But even if it's not, just the results of this game have a large scale chain reaction. Hashtag Keanu Reeves and hashtag Rachel Weiss. Yes, Rachel yeah. Weiss. Thank you very much. Nice. Large scale chain reaction for the AFC in terms of seeding. It, it affects the Bengals in their own division race as they fight for the AFC North. It affects easily the top three seeds and potentially more. And then obviously how that you know affects the matchups that we see come playoff time. Tame playoff time. But nonetheless, Bruce, I digress because we want to be time efficient because you and I have a penchant for not being time efficient. So us, no, we would never run long. Anthony, what are you talking about? I'm I'm crazy. Um, I'm also, I mean, I could be wrong. Couldn't remember um, who sang my prerogative when you and I were chopping up before we went online. It's been a rough couple of 10 minutes. So I could be wrong. Could be slowly descending into madness, but Bruce, we'll try and stay on schedule. We're going to push forward. We're going to jump right into it in terms of talking about the Buffalo Bills versus the Cincinnati Bengals. And we're going to start with a matchup that is on a lot of people's minds for a lot of reasons. The Bengals have a tremendous weaponry group, especially if you're considering the weapons as a whole start going into the backfield. But even if we're just focusing on the Cincinnati Bengals wide receivers, the combination of Jamar Chase and T Higgins and Tyler Boyd, a tremendous trio, arguably the best trio in the NFL. One of the best, you know, one, two tandems in the league with Jamar Chase and T Higgins. That's where a lot of the story for this game, especially when you talk about matchups, starts for the Bengals versus the Bills. And then on the other side, you've got a position grouping that has been a storyline for the last several weeks for the Buffalo Bills, especially for Buffalo Bills fans. Kyrie Elam is sitting, then he's active, but not really playing. And all the meanwhile, while he's sitting, Dane Jackson's in there and... You know, I'm, I'm talking about it in a bit, but he's having some rather unfortunate, you know, plays at the catch point, and it's just led to a lot of potential drama there. In addition to Trey White coming back from injury, working his way back, this matchup is primed to be in the spotlight for these two teams, and potentially being a huge one that determines which way this game goes. So let's start there: Bills DBs versus the Cincinnati Bengals wide receivers. Let's get your matchup thoughts here. You know, who has the advantage on paper? 
and what do what would you like to see from a Bills cornerback rotation um, in trying to combat what the Bengals wide receivers have? I am the guy who was pounding the table for Kyrie Elam a couple of weeks ago. I am mm-hmm. the guy who went back and watched all the snaps and said, guys, I don't know. He looks like he's playing fine to me. I am here to tell you that I think it might be a Dane Jackson game. And the reason why I think it's a Dane Jackson game is I have a feeling this might be a zone heavy game. And the reason why it might be a zone heavy game is because you need to leverage those routes to get Burrow to hold the ball mm-hmm. because you're not going to get him to hold the ball against man. If he sees a matchup he likes, he, it, he he's going to go for it. It doesn't matter. No matter what your man corner is on their receiver, Burrow will throw it. It, it doesn't matter who it is. He will throw it. He has openly said, my guy's better than your guy. He just, it, it, it is, yeah. right? He's not wrong. <laughs> and it, it, it's fair. always true, right? T. Higgins yeah. is better than most corners in the NFL, and Jamar Chase is better than most corners in the NFL. So if you want to get Burrow to hold the ball, you're not going to do it by him passing up his first read in man coverage. Mm-hmm. He won't pass up his second read in man coverage. If there is single, heck, if there's single and a far enough away double, he will still pull the trigger. He will go. Because Burrow has one of the best back shoulders in the NFL. We -hmm. talk a lot about Aaron Rodgers and the back shoulder throw. Now that it's not Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams anymore, that mantle, I think, got passed. Joe Burrow's back shoulder throw is impressive. Yeah, it's pretty. It is extremely impressive. And that's just not an option against meaningful zone coverage in a lot of cases. So Mm -hmm. I have a feeling it might be a zone heavy game plan. And because it's a zone heavy game plan, I think it might be a Dane Jackson game. The games that you've seen more Kair Elam have been more man games. Like when you watched his snaps against Detroit, it was almost entirely man coverage. When he got the run against Miami, it was again, a lot of man coverage. And when you hear Sean McDermott say the phrases like, well, he's starting to understand the things that we want him to do. Like conceptually, some of the things like, yeah, it's pretty clear no. <laughs> the answer as to why Kyrie Elam's not playing anymore. Like it, it wasn't clear before. And yeah. now I kind of feel like we have the sample size and we have the comments mm-hmm. that we can kind of piece it all together and go, he's not where they want him to be in zone coverage. Right? Yeah. He's, there's a lot, and which makes complete sense, mind you, is completely tracks. Yeah, give, yeah given Elam, what he did. Yeah. Given what his profile was coming out of Florida, would be someone that would take a minute to wrap his head around, got to be where I need to be in zone coverage. So given the fact that I think you might see a zone heavy game plan, I think this is a Dane Jackson game game. So I would be, hmm. I would be shocked if it was 50, 50. Oh, Oh, is that a hot it, take? I don't, I don't feel like that's a hot take, but no, no, I just think, I would be I think shocked it, if it was 50, 50, I think it might be a, cause you know how they like to do series. They'll yes, go much so. Dane series, Elam series, Dane series, they, they rotate, the Bills rotate corners the way that the Browns rotate running backs. So Ooh, the nice Browns pop. go chub, chub, hunt, chub, chub, hunt, chub, chub, hunt, right? Yeah, sorry, it's just funny to hear. And so I think that with the Bills, you might see a Jackson, Jackson, Elam, Jackson, Jackson, Elam, which will, of course, be mm. 66-33. Very fair. Nice math. So I, would be, I would be shocked if it was 50-50 personally. I don't think it's a hot take. I think it's I think it's hot potentially because so many fans are clamoring for Kyrie Elam because of one I think because of the athleticism and the speed and what they've seen. Also you get 
you get these stats that are tweeted out where people be like, oh, Kyrie Elam against this team, you know, only, you know, this many coverage snaps and only this many targets and only this many receptions, you know, and then all the lock emojis because he's doing amazing. And those really get me because they don't, targets don't necessarily take into account how that corner performed on that play. For instance, if you get worked and you get completely beat by your wide receiver and you're on the quarterback's left, but he gets pressure from the left. So the quarterback has to roll to the right and go somewhere else. None of that is factored into those stats. So you got absolutely worked, but it doesn't get factored in. And the context doesn't necessarily get added and combine that with some good plays from Kyrie, which he has had and combined with, Dane Jackson struggling at the catch point. I think you have a lot of fans clamoring for the Kyrie Elam piece. And then you have a matchup where you've got Jamar Chase, who is fast and strong and tremendous after the catch. You've got T. Higgins, who is a huge man at 6'4", 219, and who runs a 4540, which is fast for his size and length. And so I think people see the physical attributes and think, okay, well, this should be a Kyrie Elam game. But then, like you said, the scheme and the structure of what you want to do in conjunction with the pressure up front and trying to contain Burrow could potentially speak to more of a zone game. Piggybacking off of that, what are your thoughts on Dane Jackson? Because so many people are ready to, I feel like, torch and pitchfork you know, in the streets against Dane Jackson. I personally, I don't think he's been as bad as people necessarily have you know, kind of made it out to be over these last several weeks, really starting with that Detroit game. My biggest thing is I don't, I think he's been subpar at the catch point. You're seeing him in position and for whatever reason, he's just not making the play on the ball, but it's not something that he's had on the year. Sauce Gardner per PFF leads the NFL with 12 PBUs coming into this past week. Dane Jackson was only three behind him at nine. And so if he had a couple more of those plays on the ball, he's arguably tied for first or one behind sauce. Who's having a tremendous year. Not that, they're the same level of corner, but he is his own responsible guy. He had a nice force fumble against Chicago. We know the Bills coaching staff likes him as well, which is why he continues to see reps because of his reliability and his dependability in their scheme and system and how he plays. But what's been, what's been your thoughts on Dane? Are you, you know, man, are you higher than some? Are you ready to kind of throw him off the Titanic? Like a lot of people are, where's your head at? When the Dane Jackson should play more over Levi Wallace narrative was out there. Mm -hmm. The argument that was made at that time was that Dane Jackson might be more aggressive at the catch point, which I think mm -hmm. is absolutely hilarious. Given like that, that, it's just amazing how quickly we forget yeah. narratives from like a year ago. And so I think what we've seen is we've seen a player that in my opinion is giving the bills slightly less than Levi Wallace was giving them. Hmm. Just that's it. Slightly less. That, that, mm -hmm. That's my feeling on Dane Jackson. He has been slightly less than Levi Wallace. And that that's okay. That's fine. Like that, mm -hmm. that tracks. Dane Jackson was a seventh round pick out of pit. Levi Wallace was an undrafted free agent out of Alabama. Yeah, pretty close. They came in with almost identical physical profiles. Mm -hmm. And Dane Jackson just isn't as good in the ball skills department. That's it. That's all we got. We got the athlete that was Levi Wallace. And we got the athlete that was Le uh, that was Dane Jackson mm. lying right up next to each other with slightly lesser ball skills instead of slightly better ball skills. Mm. And that was it. It's the mm. same thing. So whoever the Bills' number two corner is, unless they're elite, they're going to get crapped all over. Just the way it is. 
That's just the way it is because the other person is Tredavious White. Yeah, and no matter what. And you're always going to get that comparison and not to mention the work that you actually see. Um, It's just this matchup for me is so intriguing with – and then if we're looking at it from like an advantage standpoint, I do lean advantage Cincinnati in in this regard. I want to start with T. Higgins again, six foot four, two hundred nineteen pounds, a monster in terms of size and length and frame. Runs that four five forty. He's also and so on the year amongst the one hundred and eighty seven players, including so includes running backs and tight ends of the one hundred and eighty seven players that have at least thirty targets this year. T. Higgins is ninth in EPA per target. He's seventh in total EPA. He's 20th in yards per route run. He's 13th in yards per target. He's 11th in total receiving yards. He's tied for 11th in receiving touchdowns and he's 23rd in receptions. And he's the wide receiver too. This man who's having a very strong raw statistical year combined with what he's doing in the advanced metrics perspective. And then you look at what he is physically and on the tape, the size, the speed. He's a one-on-one nightmare, especially down the field. He is a legitimate he, – he takes 50-50 balls downfield and skews it to like 70-30. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. Because of that length, because of that frame, his ability to high point the football. And he's the two because Jamar Chase – is a potential generational talent and arguably in the conversation or at least in that Rolodex for who's the top wide receiver in the league when healthy. His athleticism, his speed, his run after the catch ability, which worries me tremendously with how the Bills have been tackling recently. And then you've got Tyler Boyd, a six foot two, 203 pound slot wide receiver who's like a power slot, who's tremendous cracking down on edges and linebackers and digging out safeties, but then who also has size and decent enough speed at four, five, eight, but has a tremendous feel for leveraging space and reading coverage. This is a matchup that, again, it's the lead matchup for us here. It's tremendously tough. We talked about the Bills' potential corner rotation here. On paper, do you think this matchup leans more towards Cincinnati? Do you think it's even? Do you think it leans Bills? I don't see how anyone can reasonably say it doesn't favor Cincinnati. Fair. I mean, there are two number one receivers against a cornerback we just admitted that everyone's ready to throw off the Titanic. (laughs) And Tredavious White coming back from injury. Like that, I don't... Not ideal. If you look at me and tell me that Bills' corners have a distinct advantage over Bengals wide receivers. I'm just going to chalk it up as homerism at that point. Fair. It is the, is the most lopsided in my opinion of the matchups in the favor of the Bengals. I'm right there with you. And oof, it's, it's going to be intense as we transition that to the next piece. You alluded to it already a bit in your analysis when talking about the uh, Bills DBs versus the Bengals wide receivers, Mr. Joe Burrow, who is having another strong year after having, a good year last year, but a really hot and strong, what, November, December, and into January. He's thrust himself into the MVP conversation now. They have won seven in a row. They've looked really good since week nine, and especially coming out of their bye, uh, which was in week 10. Let's talk about how to defend Mr. Joe Burrow, which you, again, like I mentioned, you already alluded to partially. What are you looking for or hoping for from a coverage perspective, a front perspective, pressures, et cetera, in terms of defending Joe Burrow and trying to limit him and or making him inefficient in this game. Like I said, I think this is a I think this is a zone game. I think specifically this is a cover two game. Okay. Um one of the things that was giving the Bengals problems earlier in the year was cover two before eventually Joe Burrow was like, listen, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna take it. 
right? I'm just going to absolutely just pick and pick and pick and pick and pick because yeah. one of the things that defenses started to show Joe Burrow is they started to show him the same thing that they showed Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. It's part of the natural progression yeah. of a quarterback is that when defensive coordinators start to believe you are elite, you see a lot of too high. And specifically, mm -hmm. he saw a lot of cover two, not just mm -hmm. too high, man, you know, any of that stuff. Not, you know, too high, it ends up being cover six. I mean, pure yeah. cover, two, cover two, right? So he had to go through that maturation process. I'm still, even though I know that he knows how to beat cover two better than he did, you know, six, eight weeks ago, mm -hmm. I'm still saying this is a cover two game. Okay. And the reason that is, is because nobody does cover two quite like Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier do. No matter how many times Burrow has seen it, it looks different. Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott may be some of the better ones when it comes to disguising, pun intended, disguised coverage, specifically as it relates to too high or one high and things like that. Mm. So yeah. remember what I told you at the beginning? I said the key is you have to get him to hold the ball. And I don't yes. think you get him to hold the ball. I don't think you you bring you know, blitzes after blitzes after blitzes after Joe Burrow. He's 110 passer rating against the blitz. That's, you know, he is, Joe Burrow is one of the purest pocket passers in football. Mm. This is, uh, this is a team with very little play action, very little screen game. And Burrow is actually better. He's one of the very few quarterbacks who is better when he's not using play action. Mm. You don't hit the easy button for Burrow at all. You just grip it and rip it. <laughs> you, you go to you go to empty, right? You let Burrow spread out the defense. You let him read it and throw. That's it. It is the purest form of passing the football I have ever seen in my life. Take everything you know about the Eagles passing game and take away all of it. Oh, wow. Like That's take funny. literally That's all of it, right? Just strip everything away, right? If the Eagles passing game is a Tesla, the Bengals passing game is a Model T. <laughs> That's what it is. It is Joe Burrow in the most purest of is the purest of form. It is grip it, rip it. You know, it is it, it, it's beautiful. If you're someone who yeah, appreciates really pocket pretty. passing, Joe Burrow is absolutely it is just a gorgeous thing to behold just yeah, to watch him throw the football because it really is very pure. But you have to get him to, throw the, to hold the ball because he doesn't want to hold the ball. He's the second lowest time to throw in the NFL behind Tom Brady. He doesn't want to hold it. And so you need to get him to hold it. This is a coverage-helping pass rush, not a pass rush-helping coverage game. Hmm. This is a coverage-helping pass rush game. And so to do that, you got to be able to show him something that's going to cause him to move on. you got to leverage the route. you got to hold your disguises. Hmm. I cannot tell you how important Leslie Frazier versus Joe Burrow in the metaverse is. Mm. The brain game between Leslie Frazier and Joe Burrow is a huge part of this game. So that's what I want to see. The second thing that I want to see is I want to see Gregory Rousseau turn up the heat on Hakeem significantly. Yeah. Significantly. Yeah. This is a player who was essentially to the Bengals what Bobby Hart is to the Bills. He's a jumbo package offensive lineman. Yeah. Right? And he did perfect. He performed perfectly. And we all like Bobby Hart as the sixth offensive lineman, yeah. right? Now, yeah. We're all hey, good yeah. with that. Everyone's come around. Right? Do we want him to start? No. No. So we don't want Bobby Hart to start. They don't want Hakeem Adeniji to start either. They don't want that. But now he's going to. He was in for 22 plays 
had 18 pass rush snaps and gave up five pressures. That's not, not great. great, Bob. Not great. Good. Nice. Right? Nice. Nice connect. So I want Gregory Russo, who typically aligns on the defense's left. Mm. I want to see that. That's what I want to see. So specifically, you need to get him to hold the ball. And with mm-hmm. Adenogy, you need to get him to stop his feet. So this is a mm-hmm. what did you learn from Von Miller game nice. for Gregory Rousseau. Because the key to being Hakeem Adenogy is not the just you're just going to get – he's an explosive athlete. He is. He was an explosive athlete. Mm. But once he stops his feet, he's in trouble. So, I mean, this is, you know, really, really explosive term in terms of RAS when it comes to Hakeem. Mm-hmm. But – I I need to see you bait that move out of him. This is not a straight long arm sort of a, 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 a mm. pass rush move. That's not what this is. I need you to set up your counters with this. You need to get him to stop, right? Mm-hmm. If you can flash a long arm, get him to two-hand punch, and then get around, you Real can ghost. do that. These are the, This is a what-did-you-learn-from-Von-Miller game. I'm going to mm-hmm. be watching Gregory Rousseau going, listen, if you want to win against Hakeem Adeniji, you need to know that it's not just your long and strong and down to get the friction on. That's mm-hmm. not what this is. It needs to be more than that. This is your move to set up another move. This is your, okay, I need to get him to overcommit. I need to get him to flash early. I need to get him to do the things. I need to make sure that I take advantage of any bad sets because this is not a player who can make a mistake in recovery. We talk about recovery a lot for offensive tackles mm-hmm. because not everybody is going to win every rep in the first two seconds. That's not how it works, right? Yes. Very true. Recovery is a huge part, a huge part of playing offensive tackle, making up for your own mistakes. That's where you can take advantage of this matchup. So for me, it is cover two, right? It's make him hold the ball, right? It's show him something, change the picture on him post snap as much as humanly possible. And then it's win against the right tackle. I love it. That, that right tackle piece. I'm going to start with that is so, is so huge. This Bengals O line started out very shaky. Joe Burrow, the in weeks one through eight, Joe Burrow was sacked 29 times. That was the most in the NFL by far. I think second was someone at like 13, so not even close. Since week nine, the Bengals have won seven straight. They had a bye week mixed in there. But since week nine, Joe Burrow has been sacked only 10 times. So in their seven-game win streak, he's been sacked 10 times. This whole line started to come together a little bit, and part of that was Lyle Collins. He was a bit clunky at times, but he started to get back to what the Bengals thought he was going to be when they gave him all that money and free agency this year to come over. So with him being gone, and he got Hakeem out there against a pass-rushing group that is finding their feet and maybe even potentially found their feet a bit without Von Miller, very interesting matchup. I love that piece. Burrow has been... He's just crushed everything. If you're looking at like single high coverages this year, he's fourth in EPA, third in completion percentage, seventh in yards per attempt, and fourth in positive play percentage. And against middle of the field open coverages, so your two high looks, he's 10th in EPA. Josh Allen's first, um, ironically. He Burrow is first in completion percentage, seventh in yards per attempt, and fifth in positive play percentage. So he's done well. So And like you mentioned, as, as the year has gone on, he started living in that world of, Okay, cool. I'll just get through my progressions and check it down. He is, he he's evolved to a point where he has no problem taking the check down, especially once Mixon went out. He was living in that check down world to to, to P Ryan, P. Ryan man. Yes, all day. Just drop back, dump, drop back, dump. 
He gets through his progressions quick. Like you mentioned, that pocket passer piece, right? He is a cerebral guy. He's good at getting through from one to two to three and then making good throws. The ball placement is there. He's also got more escapability than I think he gets credit for. He's a good pocket manipulator, um, especially considering what Cincinnati's pocket has been um, throughout this year. And I'm going to show a couple of plays later um, that shows that escapability and what he's able to do. For me, it really... I, I like how you highlighted the coverage piece and that's in there. So I'm going to, I'm going to speak to the other point um, that I have when it comes to defending Joe Burrow. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. A new year full of surprises. But one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. I want to see a lot of simulated pressures from the Buffalo Bills. I think changing that pre-to-post-snap picture and winning up front, it's huge in every week, but especially because of, like you talked about, you want to do anything and everything you can to get Joe Burrow to hold onto this ball. And I go to, again, I'm going to show some of these clips later, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game tape against the Bengals before the, the Bucs offense turned it over like every other play in their own territory. They were getting to Burrow early and often with their simulated pressures. And they would drop, you know, a defensive end, drag, actually usually a defensive end, um, and then they're bringing Devin White or Levante David. And Burrow drops, and he goes to, okay, I'm going to throw it here. Oh, no, you know. Try on Sharinka is dropping. Okay, so let me come back over here. Oh, I'm sacked. Just adding that extra half a second to a maybe even three quarters of a second and allowing your rush to get there. And if you're combining that with an offensive line that has been vulnerable at times, although, like I said, they have been better, and a right tackle who probably shouldn't be starting, that's where it starts for me. I like the coverage piece on the back end because we're not going to see the Bills blitz a ton. I mean, knock on wood, that's usually not who they are. Um, but anything and everything, like you said, to get Burrow to hold on to that ball. For me, it's a simulated pressure piece. Changing that pre-to-post snap picture, creating some one-on-ones for Ed Oliver or Greg Rousseau or even Daquan Jones, seeing what he's been. AJ Epinesa has been flashing recently. Trying to create one-on-ones as much as you can, winning up front and getting Burrow to hold on to that ball. Also within that, I think those two high looks, you know, you mentioned that cover two piece, that's a two high coverage for a lot of it for me starts with fitting the run. And I say this every week, but especially against the Bengals. So 
and for those who don't know, how you fit the run determines what coverages you're able to play on the back end. If you have to commit more bodies to the box, you know, for example, a safety, you know, that means you can only play a single high coverage. If you have less bodies on the back end, that limits what coverages you can play and potentially less disguising that you can do. The Bengals have a very versatile run game from shotgun. And then especially coupled with their 11 personnel uses, their 11 personnel uses on the year is 83%. Their shotgun usage is above 80. As this season has gone on weeks one through six, they were at about a 69% um, shotgun usage rate total, which is 13th in the NFL from week six on they're at 80%, which is fourth. So an 11 percentage point increase. They have the ability in their run game from shotgun to get to so much inside zone, outside zone, pin and pull, crack toss, and get on the edge, which we've seen the Bills susceptible to these past couple of weeks. They'll run your draws. They'll also run duo. They'll run wham and trap, which we've seen from the Indianapolis game last year, um, where the Bills defensive tackles can get taken advantage of if they get upfield too fast and in too much of a hurry. If the Bills can't fit the run with their six or seven man boxes, I start to get a bit worried because to your point, then they what they can do on the back end, it starts to get a little murky if they have to commit more to the box. So for me, stopping Burrow starts with their simulated pressure packages, changing the pre to post snap picture, and then fitting the run so that they are able to play two safeties back, whether that's in a shell pre-snap or an actual, you know, middle of the field open coverage is post-snap in order to figure out what they can do to kind of gum up the works for Burrow. Also, one last piece on the Bengals O-line. On the years, you know, they have been better as the year has gone on. They're 12th in pass block efficiency per PFF. The Bills are 17th. Granted, we haven't seen this old line really in a full game without Layout Collins, which we will see in this upcoming game. Bruce, we got one more point. Are you, are you able to do it or you got to go bye-bye? Yeah, yeah, I can do one more point. Uh, I think that the key, key takeaway from the second point with Joe Burrow is that this is important. When you face an elite quarterback, there isn't a, a button. Okay. There, there is no easy button. Okay. You mentioned that Joe Burrow is fourth against single high coverages and 10th against middle field open coverages, right? Yes. In EPA there, there is no easy button here. Okay. So Joe Burrow, when blitzed Joe Burrow, when not blitzed Joe Burrow under pressure, Joe Burrow, when not like he's good all the time, right? That's just the way it is, right? Every yeah. quarterback is worse under pressure, obviously, but Blitzing him, not blitzing him, middle field open, middle field. There is no button that makes him mortal. He's he, really, really good. <laughs> he also, from a ratings perspective, so when pressured, he has the fourth highest quarterback rating at 84.3. Josh Allen is first at 94.1. But at 84.3 rating is like good, but even more so when you're pressured. So exactly to your point, like even when you're like, we got pressure on him, he's like, okay. Like he's Joe cool. Like I know they give him that nickname, but yeah, like even when you give him the hard stuff, he's still succeeding. Roy Collins in the comment section asked me, do you consider burrow elite? Yes. Oh, yes, absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. The, yeah. I would, I would, that. my definition of elite is very uh, qualitative and it is this simply, if there is no book on you, you are elite. That's a if very there isn't a, just do this thing and he stinks, then you're elite. Because if you have a game plan that another defense can follow, and as long as they run this script, you're not good, then you're not elite. Mm, that's fair. But there is no easy button for Joe Burrow. You don't press a button and make Joe Burrow bad. That's not how this works. No. So schematically, you do what you can to absolutely kind of mitigate some of the stuff. But yes, 100%. Yeah, Joe Burrow's elite. Yeah, I think we're at that point. I, I mean, I think I... 
was maybe higher on him coming out of last year than maybe potentially people were. And I, I recognize that a lot of what they did last year was just a lot of go balls to Higgins and chase and a lot of nine, eight, nine and just kind of simplistic things. But I, like you mentioned, like how good he is from the pocket and how good he is mentally. And then accuracy wise, I know he doesn't have the strongest arm and I know he isn't the biggest plus athlete, but he's got enough mobility and enough arm strength to go with his decision-making, his processing, his accuracy and his ball placement and his ability to throw with anticipation. Yeah. Like he's, he's definitely elite and he's in that conversation, depending on where you want to rank him in terms of like top QBs in the league. All right. I know we got a third thing and it's what Bill's offense versus Bengals defense. Yeah, the Cincinnati Bengals defense, they're they're a group that seems to adapt who they are based on their opponent. You know, it really ties into, uh, you know, the three-man rushes against Kansas City last year and just adapting, whether it's blitz rate or coverages, man versus zone, and just pressure packages, what they do. Um, Their core identity is almost being an adaptive defense that caters their game plan each week to their opponent. Bills offense versus this Bengals defense. What would you like to see the Bills do to attack the Bengals defense? Lou Anarumo is going to get head coaching interviews. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank Bengals you. I always say defensive his name coordinator too. Lou Anarumo is um he's right up there with the Lions offensive coordinator for me as far as opposing assistant oh. coaches that I love to watch work. Ben Johnson has been had yeah, an amazing. Ben, yeah, ben so Johnson good. is fantastic. I mean, and Lou Anarumo is right up there with him. Mm. For me, I don't think this is a scenario where you can just count on Josh Allen creating moments for Stephon Diggs. Mm. I think you as an offensive coordinator need to create moments for Stephon Diggs because mm. Anarumo is going to do everything in his power to take away Stephon Diggs. Like that's his thing, mm. right? Anarumo is his entire thing is to make you play left-handed and he'll do it even if you burn him. Even yeah, if you burn him with Gabe Davis, he'll go, that's fine. Just keep going to Gabe Davis. He's going to screw up eventually. That's his thing, right? Mm-hmm. I will not. If I am sitting here boxing you mm-hmm. and I'm making you box with okay. your, are you right-handed? I am. I'm making you box with your right hand tied behind your back. Okay. okay. And you get a really good hit on me. Do I just give up and give you the right <laughs> hand back? No, I just, I say, okay, well, you hit me with, okay, good. But we still intrinsically understand that you will still be weaker. Yes, you might get a hit in and that might suck, but I'm not just going to go, well, you know what? That didn't work. Here, let me uncuff that hand for you. That's not how this works. So when I look at the Bengals defense, I go, they're going to do everything they can. And you can't, based on the way Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen have been linking up over the last two two weeks, you Mm -hmm. can't say, I'll just rely on Josh's statement of, I need to do a good job of getting him more involved. That can't be it. Mm-hmm. That cannot be it. I don't care if you went out there and signed Cole Beasley. Stephon Diggs is your best slot receiver. Mm-hmm. Make sure, sure he's there. The second thing is, if you wanted to use tunnel screens, this is your week. And the reason I say that screens. is because the Bengals, we've seen the Bengals game plan against elite quarterbacks in the past. They are not afraid to rush three and drop eight. Yeah. They'll do it all day long, which means uh-huh. you need a convoy ahead of you if you're going to get something going. Mm. You know, a lot of people think that the time for tunnel streams is against a blitz-heavy team, and that's true. It absolutely is, 100%. But if you slow play that a little bit, you can get a convoy of blockers out, and mm-hmm. that's the way you can that's the way you can get things happening. So the tr- the reason I say that is because the traditional RB screen game is is just it's just not part of it. Right? Oh, it's true. It's, it's it's just it's just not that. It's never been a thing. It never will be a thing. And also. If you're going to have a zone defense with 
three men rushing and eight dropping in, you have eight people with their eyes on Josh Allen. The screen game is not going to work traditionally with an RB. It's not going to. Somebody will trigger downhill and blow up the play. So if you want to get your playmakers in space with Convoy, it's not going to be from the backfield on a delay screen, like a slip Mm. screen. That's not going to be a thing, right? You're going to need to tunnel it up on the outside, right, to be able to bring somebody back into the formation and make that happen. So, Mm. you know, if you really wanted to toss a tight end screen, for example, to Dawson Knox, this would be the time, right? So those are the things that I'm looking for when I'm looking at, okay, how have the Bengals historically played other teams? Mm-hmm. How have they played elite quarterbacks? They're not afraid to bring three and, 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 and drop eight. And you need to have a plan for that. Yeah. Um, you need to be really comfortable with Josh Allen running the ball. You, 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 need, you need to be comfortable with that. Okay. If you're, if you're somebody who's not, not cool with that, you need to get cool with that real fast because get comfortable, get comfortable. <laughs> Also, get comfortable with Josh Allen checking into a lot of runs because they've proven against the Bears that they can have success doing it, and they need to be willing to do it. If you're going to rush three and drop eight, and you have a draw play, for example, which has been successful, if you have the some of the interior run concepts where you have pulling tackles, which the Bills like to do now. They like to bring the tackle and pull it inside. Dart, Dart all day. So if you want to run dart, right, if you want to run some of those things, they're really effective against linebackers that are already four yards, five yards, six yards, eight yards off the ball, right? Mm-hmm. If, if you want to get those running plays successful, you can get them against people who are moving backwards. And if you're already bringing three and dropping eight, you are already moving backwards at the snap, which means you're already at a disadvantage against those specific type of run plays. So those are the kind of things that I'm keeping an eye on. I know I just kind of word vomit but i'm running out of time so i was just throwing all that stuff out there that's what i'm interested in no you're good um i I, and honestly it ties into a lot of what i had in studying so i always look at three teams or three games of tape for um the bills opponent when i can and this Bengals defense is very fast flowing and their linebackers logan wilson and jermaine pratt um are better than i think they get credit for especially pratt and going through some of the numbers and what he's doing this year um of the 86 linebackers with at least 20% of coverage snaps, Jermaine Pratt has the 11th lowest reception percentage allowed at 72.2. Milano is 10th lowest at 71.1. Tremaine Edmonds is 14th lowest at 73.1. Pratt also has the lowest quarterback rating allowed when targeted at 68.9. Milano is third at 73.5. He's good in his spacing and leveraging of routes, but he... I also think it's a bit of a microcosm of what this Bengals defense is with how fast they are and what they read. At times, they can be gotten deep or they can be misled with their eyes. Give me in this game, and I think it ties in a bit to your scheming of things from Ken Dorsey and the offensive coordinator. Give me lots of motion in this game in every way, shape, or form. Give me short motion. Give me jet motion. Give me orbit motion. Give me motion across the formation or in start out in five wide and motion somebody into the backfield. Give me under center play action. Give me, uh, ironically to your point, I lit up as soon as you said it, give me Josh Allen on the ground in this game. Give me QB bash. Give me QB power. Give me zone read. Give me split zone runs with Cook. Um, anything that you can do to mess with the eyes of the Cincinnati Bengals to make them read and react and go right just one or two steps. And then you come back and hit them with the left. I also have it in my notes too. Yeah. More of the, more of dart. That's that play, that tackle pull, which has really worked these last couple of weeks. We saw it 
really almost close out the game against Miami where they were looping Dawkins and Brown all the way around to the other side. What they did against the Bears, they started to bring that tackle on that dart run inside and use him as a lead blocker on the inside. So varying things up a little bit, taking advantage of that athleticism. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu slash visit. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This Bengals defense can be gotten to on the ground because of your ability to take advantage of their fast flow, quick reacting nature. If you can get them to go the wrong way for just a split second or make them hesitate for a split second, or if you run it straight at them, they do have good pieces on inside um, with BJ Hill and DJ Reed, who out of out of the 200 qualifying interior defensive linemen, BJ Hill is 11th in total stops with 29 DJ reader is 49th with 18, but he's only played in nine games. So if you extrapolated that across a full game schedule at this point to up to where we are in the year, if he played in all 15 games, he'd be tied for 10th. So you've got two interior guys who are good at stopping the run. Granted, their edges are banged up. Hendrickson's playing with a broken wrist. Sam Hubbard is most likely out again with a calf injury. I'm excited to see what Joseph Asai does um, from a pass rush perspective from the Bengals. But yeah, they're fast. They're violent. They play aggressively. Take advantage of that. And yeah, you're going to have to find something else because... They're almost Belichickian in terms of, like you mentioned, like, oh, you punch right-handed? Cool, let's take their right hand and tie it behind their back and make them punch left the whole game. And even if we get rocked a couple times, odds are we believe that they're not going to be able to continue to land enough left-handed punches, and eventually we're going to win out. So you're going to have to figure out how to punch lefty or scheme away so you can get your right hand free and get it untied from behind your back and be able to rock them a couple of times. Um, Really kind of taking taking advantage of who they are at their core and athletically um, from a personnel standpoint. That's what I'm looking for, and that's what I'm hoping for. Bruce, any final thoughts before we send you on your way? This is a huge, huge game. Absolutely huge game. I you mean, got serious for a minute. You were just like so in like reflective. Yeah, I, mean, I was like, oh I mean, boy. This, this is, I mean, this is a massive game. You know, it's a massive game because it, you know, controls a lot about the number one seed. It's a, it's a unique situation because you have the Kansas City Chiefs rooting for the Bengals, which I think yeah. is weird considering they, they've developed their own little fun little rivalry. I, I think that this is a meaningful game against a meaningful team. I think that the Bills' success or failure in this particular game will give you a lot of a lot of thoughts about what kind of team you might see in the playoffs. I think it's a good measure. I, you know, listen, I don't believe in must win games really. Cause I don't think the bills need to be the number one seed in order to make the, the super bowl. But I do believe in measuring stick games. Yes. I think, I think those are reasonable things. And I also think I, I really agree with the concept of measuring stick games this late in the season, Big time. because a lot of times teams are not the same teams. week no. two that they are week 17. No, who you but are very this rarely the year is who you are probably going into the playoffs and for the yeah. stretch run. And so for that reason, I, I think, you know, it's a meaningful game. Um, tensions are going to run high. 
And I really think that this is going to be a, uh, a slobber knocker. And I wouldn't be shocked by any outcome. If the Bills boat raced the Bengals, I wouldn't be shocked. If the Bengals beat them close, I wouldn't be shocked. If the Bengals won by 14, I wouldn't be shocked. If the Bills won a close game, I wouldn't be shocked. When you have two really good teams like this, it just, anything can happen because one team just has to have a markedly better day than the other one. Ball has to bounce the wrong way a couple times for your team. And all of a sudden it's 14 points. Yeah, that's very fair. The the margin for error when you are, when you are playing a top caliber team, and I think that's what both of these teams are, the margin for error is so small, especially in a game where there's so much on the line. This is very much a, you know, not to go with the proverbial line for it, but this is very much like a playoff game. It's going to be a playoff atmosphere. It's prime time. It's Monday night. It's the last game of the weekend. So everybody's going to know the results already. Cincinnati is going to be riled up like crazy they know they've beaten kansas city already now they have the opportunity to beat the team that i think majority of people still have the bills ranked ahead of the Bengals. so now the Bengals get to potentially take down another one of the afc giants in their house they're riding hot with this win streak burrows in the mvp conversation the crowd is going to be so riled up and then from a pragmatic standpoint yeah there's so much on the line in terms of you know, do these teams see each other down the road in the playoffs? What are you putting on tape now? What are you going to see later? What does this do from a mental advantage standpoint if they see each other going forward? But then again, just from on paper, this is huge. The Bills need to, if the Bills win both of these games this weekend, next week, they have the one seat. What you have been clamoring for for years is accomplished if you beat the Bengals and then you beat New England at home next week. It's it, done and dusted. The Bengals still have a shot at the one seed, but they have to go through the Bills at in their house this Monday, which is possible considering they took down Kansas City in their house a couple of weeks ago. Got two amazing young quarterbacks, faces of the league, a lot of tremendous skill positions on offense and defense. It's really shaping up to be a tremendous matchup. And Bruce, you crushed it as always. I appreciate you, you know, finding the time and finagling some availability uh, with me for this conversation tonight for this huge mashup. I appreciate the hell out of you. Just in case people don't know, tell them who you are, where they can find you, all that stuff, and then feel free to go about your Wednesday. You can find me at Bruce Exclusive on Twitter and Instagram. I will warn you ahead of time. The Instagram is mostly just pictures of food. So <laughs> there's that. But I mean, that might be it might be preferable to some of the things. I was going to say, some people might be sure. like, oh, some people might be like, yeah, I like yeah. that. Well, you're saying he shuts up on Instagram. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Let's do that. You can find my show, The Bruce Exclusive, every Thursday morning on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. And I do a show with Nate Geary from WGR uh, live on Friday evenings uh, called Food for Thought. Yes. Um, go Bills. Let's, you know, everybody. I just, hope, I just hope everybody has a good time. Let's do the thing. I just, yeah, oh, that's nice. I just hope everyone has fun. That's it. Bruce. I'll catch you later. Yeah, you were tremendous. Enjoy your night. Thank you as always. And I'll see you around. Catch you later. Mr. Bruce Nolan at Bruce exclusive on the old Twitter, on the old interwebs. Absolutely tremendous. Huge shout out to Bruce and huge thank you for him uh, for joining me on this first part of the show. Like I mentioned in the beginning, just in case those of you weren't here um, on the beginning for the intro of this episode, what we're going to do now, going to shift some focus towards some game tape for the Cincinnati Bengals and for the Buffalo Bills, really focusing on some matchup specific pieces for this game to really highlight the magnitude of this matchup, what we're going to see, what we're going to get from 
just again, this this is a legitimate heavyweight fight. As Bruce alluded to, and as I alluded to as well, so much is on the line. And I think at this point, we all know, but the Bengals, they want that one seed and it's realistic for them. They just need Kansas City to drop one more and the Bengals just need to win out, right? The Bengals also want to win the AFC North and a loss this week potentially complicates that for them just a little bit. The Bills want this one seed. They need to win this week and next week. And then you just have all the, you know, mental and emotional pieces of, a measuring stick game like Bruce said against another power in the AFC and in the NFL, really, you're comparing yourself to that other team. How do you perform? Do you win? Ooh, good comment here from Biggie Scooby saying Burrow can't throw if he can't breathe, smother him. It's going to be tough to get to Burrow with what the Bengals O-line has done recently. But again, Burrow's pocket manipulation, his escapability, which we're, we're going to show here in a little bit, um, in this episode. Yeah, this, this game is going to be a great one. Um, I was very excited to have Bruce on for the beginning of the show to really dive into um, some of the matchup specific pieces. And now we're going to dive into some of the film um, for this matchup, really diving into things. I'm going to switch the banner. Now it says Bills versus Bengals, Bengals game tape breakdown. We're going to start with the Bengals, um, kind of give them their flowers, but also show some of the vulnerabilities on the offensive side of the ball that the Bills could look to emulate from other teams. We got a ton of people here on this episode. I hate to show out and uh, you know ask for it, but if you are here, please, 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 and thank you. Drop a like on this video if you are enjoying this content, whether you're here live now or later uh, watching this post live. Please, please, please drop a like. It goes a sincerely long way. We got a ton of people here, over 200 live viewers. It will be awesome to see as many likes as humanly possible. Please, 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 and thank you. If you find it in your heart, please drop a like on this YouTube video. Thank you so much. Oh, awesome. Thank you very much, Dylan. One for being here. Two for the super chat. Awesome. And his uh, comment here, Matt Milano will be huge in coverage this game. Yes, the Bengals offensively, I mean, they their receivers can run almost anything in the route tree and they run a variety of concepts, but they love to work the middle of the field, whether it's chase, whether it's Higgins, I mean, they're going to stretch you on the uh, outside, especially outside the numbers, but they can attack you in a hurry in the middle of the field. And just to kind of back up um, uh, what Dylan's saying here. So Matt Milano out of the 86 linebackers with at least 20% of coverage snaps, he has the 10th lowest um, reception percentage allowed at 71.1%. So lower is better. Um, and then if you're looking at quarterback rating allowed when targeted out of those same 86 linebackers, Matt Milano has the third lowest rating allowed at 73.5. He is having a tremendous year again, as he has the past several years in coverage, also making plays against the run. I'm going to show a couple of those later in this episode. Yeah. Dylan, uh, you hit it there with, you know, Matt Milano will be huge in coverage in this game. Honestly, the second level is going to have to be huge in general because the Bengals are a huge threat. Um, on the outside, but thank you very much for that comment there, Dylan. Thank you for being here. I also like what Albert says. Albert said he just liked the video and he let me know. And I appreciate that. And he put it in all caps with an exclamation point. So I know he really meant it. Thank you very much, Albert. And again, everybody, if, uh, if you could be so kind, even while you're fighting with each other in the chat, um, Bengals fans, you're most welcome to uh, join us here. I'm glad that you have. But while everybody in between fighting each other in the chat, feel free to drop a like. I appreciate you folks. Let's dive into some of the game tape here. Like I mentioned, we're going to start with the Bengals game tape, and I'm going to click the button so I can share my screen with you folks, and here we go. Okay, so now, this first play we're going to show here, this is the Bengals versus the Cowboys. This is early in the year. This is when the Bengals are really struggling, and at this point in this game, this is in the fourth quarter, this is at the point where Burrow has been beaten up all game, he's been getting pressured all game. And I have it listed uh, here or highlighted here uh, with Burrow's escapability. 
And we're going to see it on this play. So let's watch what Joe Burrow does on this play. And this is where, so, you know, not and we've seen it with the Bills against Patrick Mahomes time and time again. It's not just getting into the backfield and not just getting to the quarterback. You have to be able to bring them down. And I know Burrow is more of the pocket passer, and he's not known for his mobility as much as Josh Allen is or even really as much as Mahomes and Herbert are as well. But he's still got good maneuverability in the pocket. So if you're watching this play, he's going to get pressure right up the gut. The depth of the pocket is compromised. Watch him roll out. This throw is ridiculous. Layered over the top to T. Higgins. I'm going to start it back from here again. We're going to go in slow-mo. Watch the Cowboys bring the pressure. The depth of the pocket just collapses. And it causes him. He has Boyd coming over the middle, but he can't see him. Tyler Boyd is right here. Tyler Boyd is, uh, like I have circled right here, Tyler Boyd's right there. But Burrow's unable to see him because he's got that pocket collapsing in the center. So instead he rolls out and layers this throw over two defenders, including, look, you got Trayvon Diggs' extended arm, can't make a play. This throw is gorgeous on the run in a big third down moment. We're going to watch from the end zone angle, and you'll see it. Burrow, again, the depth of the pocket gets compromised. He's got nowhere to go. Good pressure from the Cowboys. They collapse. He sees it. It's collapsing down onto his leg, almost like how he tore his ACL in his rookie year. He backs up. He's flushed. He's got to make a play. Watch this throw. This throw is gorgeous. That throw is beautiful. I'm going to replay it a couple more times. I really just wanted to show this play for the throw. But again, we're highlighting the escapability piece. He's got to get this. Oh, right. I'm making all these... (laughs) Weird noises in appreciation for this throw. Just a real strong throw from Burrow. Rolling to his left on the run. You see him able to get his body. You see that body turn? He gets that body turn. He gets that shoulder through. He's able to get more momentum behind this throw. But like everything, no matter, even when Burrow puts the most juice on this ball, he's never going to have a cannon. He's not a 99 throw power kind of guy. But his ball placement, usually he throws with anticipation. But on this type of throw, where the anticipation necessarily isn't there because he's not reading and going through his progressions. This is him scrambling and making a play off structure or uh, off script and out of structure. This is a hell of a ball for placement. Diggs is right there and he puts it on a rope and layers it over a really strong throw from Joe Burrow. Now this play later in the game, this is... A fourth and six with the Bengals down 17 to nine with six minutes and three seconds left in the fourth quarter. This is a gotta have it moment. This is high leverage in a big time situation. This isn't, this is a fine enough throw um, from Burrow. We're gonna show it puts a little more on the back shoulder um, of Chase and kind of leading him in front. But this one is just highlighting Jamar Chase in one on one coverage um, or in one on one situation against Trayvon Diggs. And Trayvon Diggs for the Cowboys. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No I don't think he's as good of a coverage guy as the interception numbers might lead people to believe, but he has tremendous ball skills and tremendous instincts. He, for me, he's like a home run hitter at the cornerback position. He's not this guy that's going to hit, you know, 300 and 320 and hit for average and hit for singles and doubles and steal bases and stuff. But he's a dude who's going to bat probably 250, but he's going to hit like 45 home runs. And he's going to strike out a bunch, but he's going to hit a ton of homers. And those homers make a big difference. This is a very huge play in terms of the moment for the Cincinnati Bengals, but even more so given who it's against. So watch Chase. Diggs gets him with a good jam from his inside arm, kind of puts him off platform, but Chase lifts it, powers his way through. And look at the ball placement, but Diggs comes right through it. If you watch this play in real time, you would think, okay, this is probably incomplete. Right there, he chomps right down, chops right down on Chase's arms. Doesn't matter. Jamar Chase, it's hand strength, his ability to extend, his toughness at the catch point. This is what you have to contend with. Like, these dudes are hard to beat. Even with Diggs right in position, you'll see coming out of the left part of your screen. Diggs is right there. That's the catch point. (laughs) Diggs' hand is is not only coming down on Chase's inside arm, but he's also got his hand in between the hands trying to rip the ball out. He can't. Like, this is not bad coverage. This isn't bad technique from Trayvon Diggs. This is connecting it to a point that Bruce made earlier that Joe Burrow believes in. Like, if I got one-on-one with my guy, I'm throwing it to my guy because I trust them over whoever you have at corner, right? I trust Jamar Chase against whoever, whatever corner you're throwing out there. I trust T. Higgins against whatever your corner you're throwing out there. And it's hard to argue with the results. You've got these two tremendous wide receiver ones. Higgins is the wide receiver too, which is almost unfair. He can be a wide receiver one for a majority of teams in the NFL, but he's the two because of Jamar Chase. Again, one more time. Just to highlight it, this is just a wide receiver one being a wide receiver one in a big moment. Diggs is there right at the catch point. Diggs is there. Doesn't matter. Chase comes through, gets the first down. Very, very big play um, for them in that game. Now, another piece I want to mention. So I talked about earlier that how the Bills fit the run against the Cincinnati Bengals. For me, it's important every week. Again, what coverages you play on the back end are dependent upon how you fit the run. How many numbers and bodies and who you have to commit to defending the run affects what numbers you can play back in coverage. Again, just the most basic example, you can't have two safeties back deep and playing two high coverages if you have to commit one of those safeties to the box to fit the run. What we've seen from the Cincinnati Bengals, and I'm, again, I mentioned it earlier, their ability as this offense has, as the season has progressed, their offense has shifted more into a shotgun-centric offense. Weeks one through five, they had a 69% shotgun rate, which was 13th in the league, so still pretty high. But from week six on, their shotgun rate is 80%, which is the fourth most. And part of the reason they've had success in shotgun isn't just you know passing out of shotgun and then coupling it with 11 personnel and having the trio of receivers that they have, and even Trent Irwin, too, who's played well, but it's their ability to run out of this concept. Like I mentioned, they will run inside zone. They will run outside zone. They'll run pin and pulls. They'll run crack toss. They'll run duo. They'll run your basic draw. They'll run wham. They'll run trap. This is a wham play on this. Um, For those who don't know, wham is just when you have that tight end. So 84 
right there, like I had mentioned. Um, wham is just when you trap that defensive tackle, but it's a wham block if it's a tight end. It's a trap block if it's an offensive lineman. Um, but you have a tight end here pinning down on Chris Jones, so this is wham. This can happen. This very play can happen to the Buffalo Bills because of their penetrating one gap nature. And for those of you who you know remember last season, this play happened a bunch in the Indianapolis Colts game. And ironically, it was also a number 84 for the Indianapolis Colts who was executing this. Jack Doyle for the Colts last year, if you remember it, similar formations, not necessarily in shotgun, but Doyle lined up, hipped off the offensive tackle and just coming inside on that wham block and just clearing Ed Oliver out and Jonathan Taylor just having a runway to burst through and get to the second level. This can happen to the Bills because, again, they're penetrating one-gap nature of a defense. They want to get upfield. They want to get into the backfield. Plus, they use light boxes and seven-man boxes very often. And if you look at what Kansas City has here, you've got four down linemen. You've got Legereus Sneed on your left edge there, so that's a fifth defender in the box if you want to count it. Um, and then you've got Bolton and Willie Gay at your linebacker spot. So really, there's six defenders in the box, kind of pushing seven um, based on what you want to count Sneed there as. But this is similar to what you'll see from the Buffalo Bills in terms of box count. And this is good execution um, from the Cincinnati Bengals. So I have everything highlighted there. Number 64 at center, he's going to climb up to Willie Gay. 65, you're going to have him pinned down on the other Chiefs defensive tackle. Lyle Collins, number 71, he's going to kick out to Dunlap on the right edge. And then 84, their tight end, is going to execute that wham block on Chris Jones. And watch just how smooth it is. I'm going to play it. Actually, I'll play it in real time for you. So quick. It's a quick hitting run. Get upfield. Make a man miss and get some yards. This play also highlights something we talked about earlier in this episode with Bruce and something I'm going to show um, a graphic for a little bit as we go forward. Tackling. Tackling from depth. This run is going to force your safety to come from depth and have to make a play. Justin Reed comes from depth on this play, and it's not horrible. He trips up P. Ryan a bit, but this is a one-on-one scenario. There's Justin Reed, number 20, coming down. We've seen this time and time again, especially from DeMar Hamlin these past several weeks, where you are fitting the run as the only defender coming from depth. You have to make that tackle, right? You have to be that guy. Justin Reed misses on this play. This is something we've seen from DeMar Hamlin these past several weeks. I guarantee, I guarantee the Bengals will run this wham run from their shotgun look against the Buffalo Bills. And if it's blocked up and executed up front, which it can be very easily, This isn't crazy. Like, this isn't bad defense. This is just Chris Jones wants to get upfield right away. So on the snap, number 95 right here, Chris Jones, he wants to get upfield. So on the snap, you see him head up. Boom, he's trying to get upfield. Uh-oh, I'm trapped. Willie Gay steps to the wrong side, tries to make a play. He gets sealed off. Collins has an easier base block against Dunlap. Now it's one-on-one. Can your dude make a play or does your dude miss? Justin Reed misses. You will see this from the Cincinnati Bengals against the Buffalo Bills. You will see this wham look. This play here, nothing crazy from a, um, yeah, going back to the comments here. Apologies if I miss any comments. I will try and circle back through. um, But as I double duty, try and pulling up the film and going back and forth. Um, But Pete's comment here, yeah, he says, Hamlin hasn't been fitting the run and making the tackle well at all. He started out hot, you know, flying forward in the early part of this year. But yeah, to your point, what we've seen these last several weeks is, the more snaps he's gotten, we've seen more inconsistency, especially in that tackling piece and coming from depth. And I think part of it is tied to how aggressive he is in coming forward. 
he comes flying from depth and it's good when it results in like big tackles and negative plays for the offense. But if you come up forward too fast and too out of control, it's a high risk, high reward type of piece. And, you know, that's what we've seen recently um, from DeMar Hamlin, unfortunately, and honestly from Poyer a little bit too, but not to give him a pass. I mean, he's playing with a pretty busted wing um, with what's going on with his left elbow. Lauren is one of my favorite people on Twitter. um, And this comment is awesome. Lauren says I had an 80% shotgun rate when I was in college. That's well done, Lauren. That's well done. Nothing is going to be better in this show than that comment. I should probably just shut it down. Well done, Lauren. Very much well done. So this play here, this is nothing crazy. This play is just T. Higgins being a monster. Like I talked about earlier, uh, amongst the 187 players with at least 30 targets this year, that includes tight ends and running backs along with wide receivers. So 187 players in the NFL have seen at least 30 targets this year. T. Higgins is ninth in EPA per target. He's seventh in total EPA. He's 20th in yards per route run. He's 13th in yards per target. He's 11th in total receiving yards. He's tied for 11th in receiving touchdowns, and he's 23rd in total receptions. And he's the wide receiver, too, in this offense. That's borderline unfair. And that's what I titled it on this clip here. I just put T. Higgins almost unfair that he's the wide receiver, too, in an offense. Beats the man coverage, ball inside, breaks a tackle, breaks another tackle, touchdown. Just what do you do? The jam isn't even bad. The coverage isn't even bad either. Like he's just bigger and stronger than the corner is. And we're watching in slow-mo here. Not a bad route, not a great route, but he's able to clear the hands, get inside. Burrow throws this ball early enough and puts it dead center, right on the numbers. So in order to make a play on this ball, the corner has to go around T Higgins, which is going to be hard because of how big Higgins' frame and body is. You can almost kind of box out the corner um, like a power forward or center in the low post. Corner tries to go around, make a play, can't. Literally, like literally, you're watching, look at the corner right there. Like he literally can't get his arms around the frame of T Higgins. So the catch point is already made, right? This is again, goes to that tackling piece. T Higgins is just big. He's hard to bring down. Jamar Chase is a force with the ball in his hands. He is the proverbial one. He gets the ball in his hands. Like he functions like a running back with the speed, the power, the broken tackle ability, the agility, his low center of gravity. He runs behind his pads. Like the Bills tackling has to be better than it has been these past several weeks, really since they've come out of the bye. But there's the catch, right? So he catches this ball at the six-yard line, and he's got a corner on him, literally physically like on his body, like a backpack at the six-yard line. Powers through him, doesn't get brought down. Then the safety has him lined up. So his momentum is being halted. He already has another grown man on his person here. Nah, just lowers his shoulder, goes through the safety, lunges forward, touchdown. Ridiculous. Like that's the number two option here for the Cincinnati Bengals. Mm, that's wild. This one, <laughs> this there's nothing crazy to this one um, either. Um, oh, great comment here from Plum Crazy Chris. He says Buffalo is not good. This guy, this guy watches ball. Um, here's Jamar Chase. This catch doesn't count because he doesn't get his feet down, but just watch this ridiculous one-handed catch. That's it. That's all I want you folks to do. Look at that. I'm going to go back in slow-mo just in case everybody didn't get to see it. Watch him reach back and just snag that ball one-handed. I'm going to let it play so we can watch it from the end zone angle too. 
Well, actually, pause. Let me grab this comment here from Bryce. Bryce said, I just joined the stream. Is Bruce not here tonight or did I miss him? You missed him. Um, he was in the first part, about the first 45 minutes. We talked a whole bunch of ball. Um, so feel free to ride with us here for the, the entire rest of this episode. And then you can restart it once it's done. And then you can see Bruce at the beginning. He was fantastic, um, as always. So watch this play from Jamar Chase from the end zone angle. Unreal. Also, I see your comment there, Roy. Thank you for answering um, the comment on Bruce. So I, I, I feel good knowing that there's people in the chat who can answer things um, while I'm here chopping up video. Watch this catch. The end zone angle always has better quality than the sideline angle on the All-22. I don't know why, but we can see it clear on this one. All right, so Burrow puts it up. Okay, here we go. Here comes Chase into frame. Look at the extension. I think everybody can see that. The ball is here. And he's one hand. There's no bobble. There's no, like, patting it to himself. He literally just reaches out and plucks it from the air and brings it to his body. I know this catch didn't count, but that's the caliber of athlete you're dealing with. Like, this has no business being caught at all. Tremendous catch from Jamar Chase. You're dealing with studs at that position. Now, this last one from this game, yeah, as... Jason says that's just silly, 1,000%. Um, Joe Burrow. This is late in the game against the Chiefs. This is 3rd and 11. The Bengals are up 27-24, and there's a minute 59 left in the fourth quarter. The Bengals want this first down because they don't want to kick the field goal because even if they make it, cool. They're up 30-24, to and Patrick Mahomes gets the ball back with probably they have the chiefs have one timeout right now. So if it's an incomplete pass, Mahomes is going to get the ball back with about a minute 50 and a timeout. Even if they have to use a timeout, he's going to get the ball back with a minute 50 and no timeouts. That's still tons of time. Bills fans know everything about time and giving the ball to Patrick Mahomes. The Bengals want to ice this game out. They do not want to give this ball back to Patrick Mahomes. So it's third and 11. Watch this throw. I'm just going to go in slow-mo. Gets a little bit of pressure. That's the key piece too, right? So watch the game up front from the Chiefs. It gets the Bengals. There's a man bearing down on Burrow. You got a free runner. He stands in the pocket, knows it's coming. Watch this throw. So you've got some trash underneath. So he's got a lower, but he's also got a corner draped on T. Higgins, like I'm going to show you folks in a minute. Watch the ball placement. So look at this. This is, I'm just going to keep circling it. This is tremendous coverage. This isn't bad coverage. Like, you're right there. Again, look where the ball placement is. The ball is here. Tremendous ball placement. Tremendous ball placement. Again, this would be good ball placement for anyone, but even more so when you know you have a very large 6'4", 219-pound receiver, big-bodied, frame, everything. It's hard for a corner to get around that body and make a play. Like it's, it's, it's just, what is it? Physics? Like it's, it's just, or biology, whatever the hell, like it's just hard to get your hands and arms around a dude that big and try and make a play on the ball. So Higgins does a good job of using his body to shield the defender from the ball, but look at that ball placement. And this is on a third and 11 huge moment playing in real time for you. Bang. And for him to stand in the pocket, knowing he's going to take a shot in the moment. So the high leverage situation in the individual game against the opponent that you're playing, right? That's a huge throw. Like this is a huge moment in your season. You want to beat the Chiefs. 
You're playing for your division. You're playing for seeding. Also, just from the standpoint, you know how everybody talks about the Chiefs. You want to show that you can beat them again. And it all comes down to this. You don't want to give the ball back to Patrick Mahomes. Look at the ball placement from Joe Burrow. That's his piece, the ball placement. Even when you're in good coverage, that corner's in good position. And the pass rush gets there. Like the stunt, the scheme, yeah, granted, it could have worked quicker. But this works. They get there. And Burrow erases it because he stands in the pocket. He's willing to take that shot, and he puts a dime onto T. Higgins. That's what you're dealing with. Even when you're right, you can be wrong. Josh Allen does it all the time, right? The, the coverage is great, or the rush is great. He breaks a tackle, jukes a guy, evades somebody in the pocket, extends the play, and hits a 25-yard throw downfield or a 40-yard throw downfield. Or he keeps it, and he runs for 30 or 40 yards himself. You've got those next-level players in the league that even when you've lost in a rep, they can allow you to win. Even when you're wrong, they can make you right. Joe Burrow can do that with his ability to read progressions and his ball placement and accuracy. Again, just one more time, I just I, I was watching this game live when it happened. This throw is just tremendous. Beautiful. On the dot. Absolute gorgeous throw from Joe Burrow. Now, we're going to come to some pieces in terms of... Ooh, good comment here from Jason saying, I always get nervous when a team has special playmakers. You just never know when they will make a few ridiculous plays that you have little to no control to stop. I think that's very well said. That's what it is, right? Sometimes it's just like no matter what you do, dudes just make a play, and that'll get you from time to time. But... You know, that's when you kind of just got to tip your cap and say, all right, you know, cool. Like, dude made a play. And that's what it is, right? Like, there's what we, what I just showed too, that last throw to Higgins and even the one in the red zone um, to Higgins as well on that touchdown. That's not open. Like, in the NFL, that's good coverage. Like, that's the receiver using his body and playing to his strength. But that's also tremendous ball placement from Joe Burrow. Like, if you lose on that rep as a corner, you're pissed because you were in good position and you still lost like that is just that's unfortunate but I wanted to highlight these plays now as we 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 shift towards the back end of the Bengals film so folks who watch the show regularly you know how big a fan I am of creeper pressures or simulated pressures what those are in case folks don't know that is when you bring a non-traditional four rushers so in the simplest sense imagine you drop a defensive end or defensive tackle from your four-man rush and drop him into coverage and you replace him with a linebacker. Boom. Okay. And then the difference between a simulated pressure and a creeper, a simulated pressure is you show the pressure look before the snap. A creeper, you don't. So this one's a creeper because uh, Levante David is going to blitz here, number 54, and the edge player here is going to drop out. So that's why it's a creeper pressure. You're still rushing four. You're going to rush these three plus Levante David back here. So you still have a four-man rush, but you're going to drop that edge off. And the reason it's a creeper, again, is because Levante David is not showing pressure pre-snap. If Levante David was up here or on the edge and he rushed and this defensive end dropped out, it would be a simulated pressure because he's showing pressure pre-snap. The main advantage with simulated pressures is you're showing a pressure look and still bringing pressure, but it's more of a safe form of pressure because you're still only rushing forward. You're not bringing five or six or seven. You have the opportunity to dictate protection to the offense, you can force them to slide one way, force them to keep in a tight end or running back to block. And then if you're only rushing four, all of a sudden they just kept in a guy who doesn't need to be in there because you're only rushing four. Now you have one less getting out into the route distribution for the offense. And then again, from a protection standpoint, you can 
use an offense's protection rules against them by, okay, you know, let's show this pressure look because we know when we show it, the offensive line is going to slide this way. But then we're going to drop out one or two of those guys and bring pressure from the other side. And now we have a one-on-one situation created or a potential free runner that's coming down on the quarterback. And again, on top of all of that, you're still able to drop seven into coverage. Yes, there are some vulnerabilities because you're dropping a non-coverage guy like a defensive lineman into coverage, but there's a lot of pros um, towards running these simulated pressures and creepers. I'm a huge fan of it. This is a good one for the Bengals. This is what I talked about earlier, uh, or a good one here for the Buccaneers. And this is what I talked about earlier with Bruce. Changing the pre to post snap picture on Burrow, making him hold the ball for a couple extra beats, and then just good design. The Bills use creepers and simulated pressures. Um, I broke it down in the offseason. I broke it down this year. I'm going to show one later. Um, actually, no, I'm not going to show the one later, but I showed it on Twitter um, when I broke a play down against the Bears that they use simulated pressures. Simulated pressures and creepers are a uh, part of the Bills defensive playbook. So we'll watch on this snap. Watch David. Loops right around. Bang. Nails Burrow, ball pops out. Burrow gets back on it, but that's a good play. Again, I have it highlighted. So notice here, notice the slanting from Tryon and then 96 here for the Bucks. Watch them slant inside. They're going to occupy the guard here and the tackle here. And then, like I have highlighted on the other side, his defensive end is going to drop. So again, you're only rushing four, but you're bringing a non-traditional rusher and you're dropping a traditional rusher into coverage. So... Watch the teamwork up front. So you get the slants inside. Boom, boom. And this allows David to come scot-free right off the edge. And again, this is where that team defense piece comes in. I want you to watch Tryon Trinka. Watch him occupy when he gets through into this gap. He's going to use his right arm and get a hand on the guard. And he's going to keep his left one here on Lyle Collins to occupy both of them. And he does that so that way David can come around free. And again, how it, what it does to Burrow, watch Burrow. He looks, he looks left because he thinks that's going to be there. If we go at it from the bigger, the sideline view, he looks to that left side thinking, okay, this route's going to be here. And it's not because why? Because that edge player dropped right into where his man was going to be. So now he's got to hold on to the ball a half second longer. Boom, sack. Not rocking science, just good concept, good design, good play call. Again, he goes to go through his other progressions. His number one is taken away, and he's like, all right, cool. Let me go to the other side. And as soon as he turns, he gets popped. Boom. I'm going to go later into this Buccaneers game. So this one now is a simulated pressure. Again, same thing. We're going to drop a defender, um, but we are going to show pressure pre-snap. So here we got one, two, three, four, five on the line. And then we've got Devin White also kind of showing pressure, even though he's still off ball, but he's close enough that he can be considered as a pressure defender. Well, for me, at least anyway, you're going to get Levante David down here. He's going to drop like I have highlighted there. And then the edge up here is going to drop and David is going to, or Devin White in the middle is going to rush. Let's play here. Watch it all play out. Take away his first read. By the time he goes to another, the pressure's there. Huge sack, huge loss. Again, design. You see on the left, drop from the edge, drop from the edge. Then you get a little uh, occupying on the interior from the nose tackle from that zero tech, which frees up David. This is what the Bills need to do and attack this offensive line. 
simulator pressure piece. Real nice. And then Burrow compounds it by um, making an interesting scramble decision there. We're going to go to another one. This is a creeper pressure. Same package, same family. This one is combined with a nice coverage piece on the back end. So the two players I've circled, again, you have your four-down lineman. Tryon Shroinka is going to drop. Um, Devin White is going to come on the rush. But watch the coverage piece that they do. You're going to get a cover two look on the back end. So this post safety, this is a good disguising coverage. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, a good disguising of coverage from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So this post safety is going to go to the boundary side as a split field safety. And number 23, who's lined up at corner down here, he's going to drop as the deep safety on this side. The slot corner is going to drop as the cloud corner in the cover two look down here. And it confuses Burrow and he throws an interception. So you get the pressure look, plus coverage on the back end. He thinks he's got a man. Corner jumps it. Again, it's all about making Burrow have to hold on to the ball a little more, but also combining that with getting pressure, confusing him on the back end. Any one of these things, if you can get pressure outright at the snap, cool, you win. If you can make him hold on to the ball a little longer because of good coverage on the back end, cool, and then maybe you can get pressure. If you can make him hold on to the ball because you confused him with coverage and it leads to a sack, cool. If you can confuse him with coverage and get a turnover, cool. The moral and the point of all of it is make Burrow hold on to the ball. And this isn't necessarily unique to Burrow, but with how good his processing is, you need to work to make him hold on to the ball. You have to get creative with your pressure looks and creative with your coverages. The the Buccaneers did a good job in this game. Again, their defense kind of got put out because the offense turned it over a gajillion times and in horrible position. But like this concept, this is a really good idea. Like you've shown creepers and simulators throughout this game. Now you do it again, but you mix up the coverage on the back end. Really good concept there from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That they, again, they had a good game plan. I, I liked what the Buccaneers did. It's a shame that uh, they weren't able to get the win in that game uh, based on what happened to them. But, you know, sometimes them's the breaks. Um, this is what Pete says. I just want interior pressure and outside contain. Very fair. Uh, let's go to... Uh, Mike says, did the Steelers even have Watt when they beat the Bengals? Yeah, when they beat the Bengals in week three, they did have um, TJ Watt. He had a ridiculous interception uh, literally at the line of scrimmage and just jumps up and picks it as Burrow threw it. Watt had a crazy game. So did Mika Fitzpatrick. He had a defensive touchdown in that game. Their studs on defense showed up um, in that one. But, 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 oh, I see people are arguing in the chat. You folks do you. I'm going to keep rolling with this episode, but I appreciate you being here. Again, we have a ton of people in here, over 200 people still. While you're here, if you haven't already, please, 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 and thank you, drop a like on this video. I know it's corny to ask for it, but it goes a sincerely long way towards helping myself and the entire team to track and trend in front of more eyes. So please, please, and thank you if you would be so kind. Now, I want to show a graphic real quick and talking about the Bills defense. I've alluded to it several times um, throughout this episode. So this is a graphic I made for the Bills run defense, (laughs) live by the sword, die by the sword. So if you see on the left there, the Bills, they lead the league. Again, from a run defense perspective, they lead the league in missed tackle plus broken tackle percentage versus the run at 16.1%. Second, you'll see the who's second, third, fourth, and fifth here, not great defenses. Second are the Texans, third are the Jags, fourth are the Bears, fifth are the Raiders. But then you juxtapose that with what you see on the right side of this graphic. The Bills defense is also fourth in run stuffs, which are runs for zero or fewer yards, and they're tied for second. 
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In Tackles for Lost. The juxtaposition of these uh, with their missed tackles is a microcosm of their aggressive, penetrating, fast-flowing nature. That's what this Bills defense is. They want to get upfield. They want to make plays in the backfield. They want to put you into negative scenarios, right? So if you run it on first and 10, their goal is to turn it into second and 12, second and 13. This isn't really a second and seven, second and eight, second and six defense, right? They are aggressive. They get upfield, and it's backed up by what you see on the tape, but also with the numbers. You know, they're fourth in the entire league in runs that go for zero or fewer yards, and they're tied for the second most tackles for loss as a defense. But then they're also at the top of the league first in terms of missed tackle and broken tackle percentage versus the run at 16.1%. They are a fast-flowing, aggressive defense. And when you are fast-flowing and aggressive, that's where the live by the sword, die by the sword piece comes in. Sometimes you make big plays right? Sometimes you get a tackle for loss. Sometimes you get good penetration upfield and it leads to a sack or it leads to a huge negative play in the run. Or sometimes you get upfield real fast and the play goes the other way. And now you've out leveraged yourself. And instead of getting a two or three yard tackle for loss, you're giving up a seven or eight yard gain. That's what this Bills defense is. They are fast flowing. They are aggressive by nature. And what they do against the run is very live by the sword, die by the sword. So they're out here leading the league in missed tackle, broken tackle percentage versus the run. And then they're also out here with the fourth most, you know, stops for zero or fewer yards and tied for second in tackles for loss. That's what this Bills defense is. So expect to see that in this game against Cincinnati, but also going forward, that's what the Bills are right? That's what this defense is. And think about it. If you're just thinking about these Bills games that have happened this year, how many times do you see, oh man, a big chunk run for eight? Oh man, a big chunk run for 13. And then you see a run that's a a loss of four and now it's second and 14. They want to put you into those disadvantageous situations and then lead on their scheme and who they want to be and what they want to do. So I thought that was a huge, interesting piece um, in really talking about what this Bills defense was. And in talking about this Bills defense, let's go into some of the tape from this Bears game that I think will be important for what the Bills need to do on defense against the Cincinnati Bengals. And we're going to start here. So share my screen. Let's share the screen here. All right, so this first play. Again, we talk about the light boxes, and the Bengals being able to get to a lot in their run game from their gun looks. This is very similar to what I showed earlier with that wham play from the 
Bengals against the Kansas City Chiefs. Not necessarily same look offensively from the Bears, but from the Bills. Remember, you had four down linemen. You had Legereus Sneed over here. Now it's Trey White. And then you had your two linebackers. So you had six in the box, but basically kind of seven because of where Legereus Sneed is. When you play these kind of like boxes, you have to win on the defensive line. You have to gum up the works or you have to get penetration and allow your second and third level players to make a play. That's what happens on this play for the Buffalo Bills. Watch AJ Vanessa on the snap. I have him highlighted. Watch him slant inside. He's going to get a pulling guard, wrong arms him, he takes him on inside, sticks that pulling guard, but then he also gums up the works for the pulling tight end here. Done. And then you've got Matt Milano. Watch Milano. He reads this play. He gap exchanges and reads what's going on in front of him. Slides to the other side. Also, you can watch Tim Settle here, showing some really good hustle to chase this down from the back end. Boom. Defending the run with a light box. You get that penetration early. Rally. Tackle to the football. You see all the Bills defenders swarming. You need good defensive line play against the run in general, but especially when you play with light boxes. This is why so much, and I get people who tweet and go after, you know, Edmonds more than Milano, but even Milano at times be like, oh, the linebackers can't stop the run. It would be amazing if a linebacker was so good that the defensive line play in front of them didn't matter, but it does. Stopping the run and fitting it with a light box like the Bills do, it starts with the defensive line. That's what it is. And when the defensive line executes, shock, the run defense is better. When they don't, the odds of the run defense having success go down. So again, really good play from AJ Epinesa. Comes in here. So again, watch this guard is going to pull and this tight end is going to pull. They want to lead this thing out in front. And Epinesa slants inside quickly. Just takes up two dudes. Boom. That's it. Settle gets penetration on the backside, forces Herbert to bounce. Team defense. The Bills are going to need this against the Bengals because the Bill the Bengals will run, not just in terms of volume, but they'll have success doing it. Um, running out of the gun, like I talked about. The one play I showed earlier, the wham, that's just one piece. They'll run crack toss out of this where they'll get somebody cracking here, then they'll loop the tackle around, and they'll pitch it to Mixon or Pirine and try and get them out on the edge. They're creative, um, and they run a lot of varying combinations from their gun run package. But again, really good play from AJ Epinesa. Wrong arm, gum up the works. Milano flows over, settle, tearing, boom, good play. Now, let's keep it going here. Play two comes in the third quarter. Again, showing these pieces of what the defensive line can do in terms of being effective against the run. So this one, the Bills have a run stunt. And if you remember what this Bills game was against the Bears, the first two drives, not so great against the run. Uh, But as the game progressed on, especially in the second half, the Bills were much better against the run. This is the very first defensive play for the Bills in the second half. This set the tone for how the Bills were going to play defense this um, entire second half against the Bears run game. So you're going to get a run stunt from Shaq Lawson and from Daquan Jones. And all that means is, so, you know, as I go here, you have them highlighted, but Shaq's in this gap, Daquan's in this gap. What you're going to get on the snap you're going to get them to slant inside. So Shaq's going to take a step and go into here. Daquan is going to go into here. So you just get a little run stunt. You're basically just changing your gaps, right? Watch how silky smooth. Daquan gets penetration too, but Shaq is the big one. He gets in, he gets skinny. And what do we talk about, right? Sometimes you get gouged because of your aggressive nature up front. 
Sometimes you miss tackles. Other times you get stops and you get tackles for loss, like we showed in that graphic. Watch Shaq Lawson and Daquan Jones. They slant inside. Shaq gets upfield. This is a loss of seven for the Bears. Show it from the sideline angle, too. Here's Shaq Lawson right here. Knifes into the backfield because of this run stunt. Boom. That's what the Bills are going to be. That's who the Bills are. And sometimes, you know what? Because if you're running this play and this is able to get, if Shaq is able to be cut off and they're able to pin this and you out leverage yourself, if they're able to down block this and gum it all up to the point that Montgomery has a one-on-one -on -one opportunity and he can get that edge, that's the risk that you run. So when it works, it's beautiful, and sometimes it doesn't. But this is another example of the Bills winning up front. It's something they will need to continue to do because you want to play two high looks on the back end. You want to be able to have two safeties pre-snap and post potentially, but definitely pre-snap so you can, okay, is it going to be cover two? Is it going to be cover four? Is it going to be cover six? Are they going to spin one down into cover three? Is it cover one? Is it going to be some kind of combo coverage? Is there going to be a blitz? Is one of those safeties going to drop and be a robber? Is the whole player going to come from somewhere else? You want all of these things going through the quarterback and offensive coordinator and play caller's mind pre-snap. And then in the quarterback's post-snap, you want all that. And that starts with being able to fit the run from your light boxes. And a big piece of that, again, is the success of the defensive, defensive line um, up front in terms of what they're able to do and what they're able to be. Uh, this next one isn't anything sexy or crazy schematically. This is just Matt Milano. This is third and two. This is Matt Milano blowing up a run. He gets talked about so much in coverage. And like I mentioned earlier, you know, having the third lowest uh, quarterback rating against when targeted, having the 10th lowest reception percentage allowed, again, both of those amongst linebackers, the 10th lowest reception percentage allowed amongst linebackers. He gets talked about for his coverage piece so much, but he's he's a dog around the line of scrimmage. I don't use that with just the corny, like, oh, dog, dog, or like whatever. Like, he's violent, he's tenacious, he's relentless around the line of scrimmage and getting into the backfield. And this is an example of it here. This is third and two. He just clicks, closes, detonates on the fullback and blows this run up. Nikhil Harry right here, he's trying to crack down and get and pick up Milano. Watch him come down. He's trying to get Milano. He can't because Milano moves so fast and blows this whole play out. Watch it from the end zone angle. Destroys this whole run. This leads to a, a loss of one yard, I believe. So this was third and two, and it turns into four, fourth and three because Milano just blows this whole thing up. Beautiful run fit. This isn't necessarily game-specific. I just wanted to show this play because I love it um, and thought it was absolutely beautiful from Matt Milano. Let it play as I start to queue up the next one for us here. So the next play that we have also in the fourth quarter, like this Matt Milano play. So I'm going to highlight Gregory Rousseau, and he's the first piece I want to focus on. He's going to get cut block. On this play, the Bengals will Bengals will run screens. They'll run tunnel screens um, to their wide receivers. They'll run smoke screens to the wide receivers. They'll run screens to the running back. When that happens, you have to be active at the defensive line, the second level, third level, all those pieces, right? Watch Greg Rousseau on this play. Watch as he gets cut. He doesn't take his eyes off the ball. Head up, following the ball, makes a play. His length and his frame shows up. Tremendous hustle effort. I'm going to slow it down again. So he gets cut. Look at, he goes down, look at him on, he's on the ground. His head is up. His eyes are on fields and on the ball. So as he's getting up, he's tracking the ball. 
and then you see him take a good angle. That's a key piece too, right? So he doesn't take too flat of an angle so that he can get beat around the corner. He takes a pursuit angle to cut this play off. It also helps when you're huge and you can take like two steps and you're already at the sideline. Then he gets to Herbert and he's got those big, long tree trunks for arms and he's able to make the play, right? But now, aside from Groot, I want you to watch the rest of this defense. I want you to watch Taron Johnson and Trey White and DeMar Hamlin and Tremaine Edmonds. Watch how fast flowing this defense is once they see screen. Once they see the little dump off. Just look at, especially Taron Johnson, boom. They swarm. Especially Taron Johnson. Number seven, there you go. Just cutting them off, playing your pursuit angles, forcing this back. The Bengals have athletes, whether it's Justin, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Joe Mixon back there, whether it's Samashi P. Ryan coming out of the backfield. Even Evans is a dude who can make you miss out of the backfield. Or again, the, the guys on the outside, Chase and Higgins and Boyd, dudes that aren't easy to bring down. You have to rally and tackle. In an ideal world, cool. One for one, guy who gets there first, makes the tackle, cool. Done and dusted. It's going to be hard to do when you got plus athletes like that. You need to rally and tackle. You need to make plays. This is Taron Johnson. Just watch him just get out of the – once he reads this, just come screaming towards the sideline. Oh, there it is. Boom. Get through my man. Bang. Rally and tackle. Get to the ball. That that That's what you need every week, but even more so, again, against athletes of this caliber for the Cincinnati Bengals. You cannot allow them to win. So you get that hustle. You get the flow to the football, speed, athleticism, pursuit angles. You need that consistently, again, against a team of this caliber in the Cincinnati Bengals. Let's go to another play here. This is a tech stunt from Tim Settle and AJ Epinesa. I have the routes highlighted up there, highlighted up there for him. So you got Tim Settle right here. You're going to watch him. He's going to go first. He's going to go into that tackle. Milano is going, I'm sorry, AJ Epinesa is going to take one step forward, and then he's going to cut and loop back inside. So you have the tackle going first, um, and then you've got the edge. So tech stunt, T-E, tackle, end or tackle edge, whatever you want to label it as tackle goes first because the T is before the E and the edge comes behind him. Really good play to flush fields from the pocket. And then you've got Matt Milano here. I think he's cluing in on Herbert in the backfield, but Herbert stays in the block. So once that happens, he kind of just plays um, that zone and spies on fields. This is a really good rush. Epinesa comes in clean. Herbert's or uh, fields is a plus athlete. So he makes a play. But look at Milano chop him down in space. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
you want to get Burrow off the pocket, you got to play games up front. I mean, if you can just win straight up one-on-one and not play games, cool. And you might be able to, given some of the vulnerabilities the Bengals' offensive line has shown this year, play some games. Good stunt, flush him from the pocket, and then look at Milano close. That's not easy. Justin Fields is one of the most electric players in the entire NFL. He's crushing it with his legs. He's run for over 1,000 yards with his legs. He's having a phenomenal year, um, crushing it. Anytime he gets in space, gets in space. And Milano just closes him down, eyes him, keys him. Similar, it turns out similar uh, from a result standpoint to what the Bills did against the Chiefs with their odd mirror package and just trying to get Mahomes off the spot. And then Milano is that aggressive spy um, attacking as soon as you see that. But look at all that space. Milano has to make this play. If Fields breaks this, bro, there's no one there. Now, Burrow isn't the athlete that Fields is, so it's easier to close down on somebody like Joe Burrow. But this is what you want. Play games against the offensive line, right? Really good job from Settle. Watch Settle. He's just going to gum this whole thing up so Epinesa can come here and then loop back through on that tech stunt. And Epinesa sells it well, too. He starts to get upfield, makes that tackle commit so he can help Settle be that spiker and really occupy so that way he can be the looper and come in clean and come in free. Bang. Okay, doesn't get the sack. Milano cleans it up. Team defense, team defense, team defense, team defense. Now, got another play here. This is the last play we got in the film breakdown from this Bears game. And again, this is relevant again to what you're going to see or what you would want to see against the Cincinnati Bengals. So we've got A.J. Vanessa on the left edge there, Greg Rousseau on the right from your vision standpoint here. We're going to continue to talk about it every single week with the absence of Von Miller. Can the Buffalo Bills defense, can they close out games? Who is that closer from the defensive line or the defense in general? Von Miller was brought in to literally be that guy to close out games. We saw him impact the Chiefs game huge and close out the game in a way the Bills couldn't in the playoffs last year, although they still should have won regardless. That's a conversation for another time. But we'll start with AJ Epinesa here on this play because – you gotta get. You want to commit as many numbers into coverage as you can against a team with weapons like the Bengals have. So the more numbers you have in coverage, the better. So if you want to drop seven or even eight, if you could, cool. That gives you the numbers because no matter what, you got five offensive linemen and a quarterback. That means on any given play, there's six that are right there. Eleven minus six is five. The max numbers, max number that an offense can commit to the route distribution for a pass play, is five guys. So if you can drop seven. You've got seven versus five. You have an extra two bodies, just math, right? It helps you with spacing. It helps you with disguising things. It helps you rally and tackle all of those pieces. So if you can get pressure with just four or three, that works. What's nice about this one, this is towards the end of the game. This is similar to that odd mirror package the Bills ran um, against the Kansas City Chiefs where, again, you got three down linemen. Matt Milano's here is that aggressive spy. And you're looking to kind of just create problems for Fields. And there's Milano. He's up at the line of scrimmage. He's acting as that aggressive spy. As soon as Fields gets off his spot, Milano's going to attack. But he doesn't even need to because Epinesa bears down, no pun intended, right on Fields. So again, you get that odd mirror look. You get that three down. Matt Milano's going to sit here. He's going to spy Fields. He's close to the line of scrimmage. And wherever Fields starts to release to get off his spot, Milano's closing. He's beelining for him right away. But... The highlight here, we'll watch A.J. Vanessa here on the line first. Watch the quick get-off. The snap has happened. He's already out of his stance and attacking. The ball just got snapped. 
the offensive linemen, these guys on the right side are a little bit, these guys aren't even out of their stance yet, right? And AJ Evanes is already crossing the line of scrimmage. It's one of his strengths. Watch him get upfield. Look at the lean. Gets in that lean and gets the extension. Look at the, that's a bad line that I drew, the form there, right? He's got the lean. He's got the leverage advantage. Gets underneath his man. And then watch the long arm. He's completely controlling him. Completely controlling his man. Collapses the pocket. Gets around the arc. And gets the sack. We'll watch it in real time. So you can just see how fast he closes it down. Leverage, long arm, bang. But now let's go to the other side. To Mr. Gregory Rousseau, who's highlighted on the right side. Watch Rousseau get into his man here. This is the piece right here. I'm going to highlight it and cover it. So Rousseau's left arm on the right arm of the offensive tackle, watch him get underneath that arm, literally lift it. Completely off platform, completely off balance for that tackle, and Rousseau just drives him and collapses him. If Epinesa doesn't get this sack, Rousseau gets it. And this is with a three-man rush. Beautiful, 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 beautiful. Who closes out these games? Again, this is second down on uh, one of the final drives for the Bears. You're looking for somebody to just end this game, even though the game looked pretty in hand. Epines and Rousseau start to give you that. That's a tremendous rep from both of those guys, winning in different ways. One more time in slow-mo. Choose whoever you want to look at. We'll, we'll focus on Epinesa on the left side again one more time. Beautiful leverage, long arm, drives his man, gets around the arc. And then Rousseau on the other side. This is very hard. Right here, latches with that left arm. And then look at, again, even he's not a bendy guy, but look at the ankle flexion and his ability to get some lean. The torque that he creates and the leverage advantage he creates because of his size, that's not easy. And then because he's able to get underneath at that size, now he can lift and control and drive. Beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, that's... All of those plays that I showed are for both the Bengals and for the Buffalo Bills. Those are going to come into play in this game. That's why I wanted to focus on them. They are related to the matchups we are going to see. And like we talked about earlier with Bruce in this episode, you know, how do the Bills function against the Bengals wide receivers on the periphery? How do they choose to attack and defend Joe Burrow? Is it from a coverage piece on the back end? Is it with games and pressure packages up front? Is it a combination of the two? Can they win individually? Can they win one-on-one? How do they fit the run given what the Bengals want to do? All of these pieces are all going to connect. And that was my focus for the tape here on the back end. Um, of this episode with Bruce. Also a couple pieces I wanted to mention as well. There's a lot of specifics in terms of this game that um, are going to, to matter, especially situationally. Um, I talk about it every week, you know, third down and red zone pieces. Um, the Bengals offense is fourth in red zone DVOA, second um, in the past, 15th in the rush. The Bills defense is first in red zone DVOA, first in the pass and first in the run. So you've got the fourth red zone DVOA offense in the Bengals going up against the first red zone defense in DVOA in the Buffalo Bills. Who bends, who breaks, who wins that literal battle of strengths there. Also, the Bengals offense is second in third and fourth down DVOA. The Bills defense is 22nd 
in third and fourth down DBOA. And we've seen it going again back to that Lions game where they just seemed to not be able to get off the field on third downs, even when it was third and 12, third and 11, third and 14, just not being able to win at the catch point and giving up big conversions. That's a huge matchup piece as well. And then on the flip side, the Bengals defense is ninth in red zone DVOA. Bill's offense is 21st in red zone DVOA, DVOA, though they have been better recently, especially from an execution standpoint with the players, um, a decision-making standpoint from Josh Allen, and a schematic design standpoint from Ken Dorsey. Um, And then also a third down piece as well. Bengals defense, they are 24th in DVOA on all third and fourth downs defensively. The Buffalo Bills offense is fourth in DVOA on all third. um, I'm sorry, on third and uh, yeah, fourth downs. So Huge piece for them. You got a defense for the Bengals, 24th in DVOA on third and fourth down, and a Bills offense that's fourth in DVOA on third and fourth down. So you got some equal in terms of both being good, strength on strength in the red zone, Bengals offense, Bills defense, and then Bengals defense not so good on third down against the Bills defense who are good on third down, and the same thing for the Bengals offense on third down versus the Bills defense on third down. Situational football matters so much, so much, so much. When I say situational, I mean, you know, your third downs, your red zones, pieces like that that aren't just the regular game script, that those are those situational package pieces. It's, oof. And yeah, as Pete says here, the Bills are bad in the red zone in September. Most of Josh's INTs have been thrown down there too. Exactly. That dings you. If you're turning the ball over in the red zone, obviously, let alone not executing in general. Um, but if you settle for three, if you turn the ball over, if you're just not executing, it's going to ding you. So those are huge pieces as well. Speaking of huge pieces, you folks know the sponsor. I mentioned earlier, the best pizza in Buffalo, New York, hands down. One Pie Pizza. You can find the online menu in the episode show notes. Delicious cup of char pepperoni. Fantastic cheese to sauce ratio. Sweet sauce pie. Um, they also make their own homemade blue cheese, and it is absolutely immaculate. Go get yourself some One Pie Pizza if you live in the Buffalo area. Again, the online menu can be found in the episode show notes, whether here on YouTube or listening on any one of the podcasting apps or platforms. So please and thank you. Um, uh, go check out One Pie Pizza. I wouldn't have partnered with them if they weren't the best. I tremendously enjoy their product. And again, I mentioned it last week. Um, their Toys for Tots drive and initiative was absolutely tremendous. Um, they had a huge uptick after we really started talking about it a bunch on the show. So I like to think in some small way, um, the folks who watch this show and listen to this um, potentially donated some Toys for Tots to uh, to One Pie and helped out the community and did some good this holiday. So thank you very much if you did. Um, donate and help out. I want to continue to shout that from the rooftops as much as humanly possible. Also, one last piece I want to mention, betting is a huge piece in the sports market and sports world nowadays. And we've got some things and some benefits for you uh, for the listeners and subscribers of Cover One. So take a look at this uh, BetUS live read for the partnership. Hey guys, Cover One is excited to announce our new partnership with BetUS. BetUS has a live wager in on all major games, the best betting variety in the business and an easy deposit and withdrawal process with the fastest payouts in the industry. Our loyal Cover One fans get a choice between two exclusive offers, either a 125% sign-up bonus on your first deposit up to $2,500 or a free $50 bet with no deposit required. Just use promo code COVER1 on the links provided in the show description below. BetUS, where the game begins. Bet. Why not? It's fun. Well, it can be. Don't bet your life away, but do. Why not? Who cares? Money's no object. Just kidding. It's a huge object. I love what Rich says here. He says, like the video, y'all. Yes, please, 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 and thank you. I had a ton of engagement in this episode here. 
uh, with you folks. If you're still here, if you're watching live or and you're still here or you're watching later, whatever have you, please, 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 and thank you, drop a like on this video. It goes a sincerely long way towards helping myself and the entire team to track in front in front of more eyes. And yes, I hate saying it every week. I feel like a shill and a sellout asking for it, but it, it matters a lot. Please subscribe to Disguise Coverage, whether here on YouTube or on any one of the podcasting apps or platforms like Apple Podcasts or Spotify. While you're there, please rate and review ratings and reviews. Go a very long way as well. Drop a comment um, and a review as well if you would be so kind. Please also, if you'd be so kind, tell your family and friends and loved ones about this show and how awesome it is. Or if you thought this show was terrible and you want to ruin someone's day, tell them about the show because you never know. Some people like different things. I appreciate all you folks for joining me live on this episode and riding with me. Thank you very much to Mr. Bruce Nolan for joining me in the first part of this episode. For everybody living in Buffalo, I hope you are okay after the storm and the craziness. Um just everything that happened for over the holiday weekend with the the blizzard and the wind and just the chaos that happened. So I hope you and your family, I say this every week, but even more so now, I hope you and your family and friends and loved ones are all doing well, staying safe, be kind to one another, take care of one another. Um, things can go sideways so quickly and in such a hurry. Um, so I wish you and your family and friends and loved ones all the best. Again, be kind to one another, take care of one another. Thank you very much to everyone who joined me live on this episode. If you didn't, that's cool too. Thank you very much for your post live view, post live listen, whatever have you. Big weekend in the NFL, huge weekend for the Bengals and Bills. Uh, for all the Bengals fans who rode with us here on this episode, even the contentious ones, uh, thank you very much for being here and stoking some of the fires of conversation to the trolls. Not so much. Um, again, folks on your way out, drop a like on this video, please, and thank you. Be kind to one another. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy New Year's Eve. Enjoy New Year's Day. Enjoy the Bills game. Enjoy some awesome college football starting tonight and going through the weekend. We got some playoff college football action happening this weekend. It's a big weekend for football and sports in general, but especially on the football side of things. I will see you folks next week for another episode of Disguise Coverage. And as always, Godspeed and go Bills.